We are here in the Soccer in Theory podcast. It is the 30th of November. We are Ashwinless. You'll be dealing with the voices of Ryan Ahmed and Mark J from Woodmere Valley Stream, New York. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking. Well, before that, you can find us on soccerintheory.com and the various um, podcast outlets. We'll be talking about the World Cup pretty much entirely, tactics, aesthetics, and whatever neurotic fixations Let's we have. Let's start with um, U.S. men's national team versus Iran. Ron, who are you rooting for? I must admit that I was both I was rooting for the US this time around. Um although every every World Cup that comes around, I vote I root hard for Iran. The history of Persianate philosophy um is sort of at the center of my consciousness. I'm always hoping that Iran could make it through. And I'll be honest, there were times late in this game where I was like, uh, oh, you know, if they score one, it's not the worst yeah, team yeah. to lose to. Um, but on the other hand, this is the first time we have a serious American team that I really enjoy watching. Um, I thought they, and as you said, we're going to talk tactics and I really didn't like Greg Berhalter coming into the world cup, but I thought he pulled off some really interesting things. Um, my overall theme for the world cup is that usually I don't like the world cup. It's tactically boring. The first two games of the group stage are usually, um, lesser teams just, sitting back and Mm -hmm. uh, it's never this much fun. Um, But I thought the second game when Burhalter went to sort of like that 4-4-2 with England, played McKinney Mm -hmm. on the right, um, Right. it was like a very interesting change. I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect Haji Wright starting that game. Um, I'm not sure what's – I mean, everyone is speculating about what happened with Gio Reyna and why he's not playing – but yeah. uh, it kind of, when he went again back to that 4-3-3 and played Tim Weah on the right, I thought Tim Weah looked really good. In the final third, we've got to polish some things up. Right. Um, yes, Josh Sargent, same thing. Like, I know I mean, Gio's been injured for a long time, and Josh Sargent is currently, I think, the co-top scorer in the English Championship. And what the, the U.S. have never had striker this in form going into a world cup in that sense you know right. some years of brian mcbride notwithstanding but um <laughs> but yeah so i thought the setup was really interesting the 442 was uh was ballsy in that second game and then in the third game when he went back to that 433 i just love that trio Yunus musa is playing out of his mind right now yeah seriously and, <laughs> yeah and then with mckinney and and tyler adams uh, it looked great past the eye test and I think statistically as well if sort of there is something about their their first in the world cup in terms of like getting in the way of passes like passes blocked intercepted or otherwise so they're Adams and McKinney they were just like really on the ball as far as all three of them defending as a unit and then uh breaking it in transition so I uh I also I was also rooting for the U.S. Um, surprisingly, I I saw in the build up the links you sent me. How do you pronounce it? Kirosh, Carlos Kirosh, or 
Yeah. The the comments he made, or really he was responding to provocations. Um, yeah. About um, Klinsman, very odd. <laughs> very odd <laughs> remark. Classic Klinsman. Yeah, it's like for those who didn't know, he basically was he kind of criticized Iran's performance against Wales, said they were kind of conning the ref and making a meal of the game and acting basically sneaky and shady and aggressive and impossible to play against. And then he made links to Iranian culture as the imperfect the embodiment. That... And then yeah. Kirosh as the embodiment of that. It, it was like, where is this coming from? <laughs> um, what are you going to say? No, I mean, what I thought was interesting about that is that he, he kept saying, oh, it's a culture, it's a culture, which you could you could say, oh, that's a mistranslation. It's German, English isn't his first language, you know, and kind of say, well, you know, you might say something like that for when talking about Catenaccio and Italian football culture. Right. And so if that's how he meant it, that would have been fine. But then as if to sort of dig his hole deeper, he clarifies by picking random South American countries and being like, oh yeah, that's the culture I'm talking about. Not like a specific Iranian culture. It's like this global self. That's what I mean. They're all going to be scrappy. Uh, who did he sort of, he associated them with like Honduras or something. And then you realize, oh, this, is, this is like not nonsensical. It's just this, it is just uh, racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very odd. And then so he's coming back against that and he's coming you know, he's asking the reporter, we kind of touched on this, but he's asking the reporter from the BBC, why do why do only my players get asked the constant political question? Why don't you ask the Americans what they think of the Afghanistan war? Which was <laughs> pretty, you don't usually get this sort of um, thing um, from the internet. So anyway, I'm only yeah. saying all this, not, not to beat a dead horse, but to um, say my heart initially was with Iran. I was thinking I have to root for Iran. This is... Uh, you know, they they have the world against them, and um, but the U.S. is just better than them. Um, I thought uh, on on every level, you know, especially if yeah. just from the like you're saying from the eye test, the midfield three is really spectacular, um, and Iran just couldn't couldn't cope with it. I mean, aside from Tarimi gliding with the ball, that um, they didn't really, there wasn't really much for from a neutral perspective aside from the politics or or geographical affiliation. Why why you'd want Iran to win that game, uh, U.S. Because I was thinking, this is finally a U.S. team. There are a couple players short. Sargent actually looked very competent, very atypical, yeah. running the channels, laying it off, doing all the good work. Um, and he, but he's clearly just not... Um, he's lacking a, an extra bit of dynamism. Um, but I like where he's like a Dembele, like Dembele Jr. kind of situation, like a little... <laughs> well, well, ease, ease up on that. <laughs> I just mean in terms of, you know, like... There's something a bit loose to his play, but he clearly has the pace um, to, to beat whoever's in front of him. Yeah. And there's, I just mean in terms of, you know, like I bet he does pretty fantastic things in training type type player. Um, and um, yeah, the, the it's a pretty complete team um, with the with the outside backs. Dest Dest was all over the place. He's like multiple scissors, effective scissors against yeah. Iran, which is nice to see. There, I think they're a center back short. Um, uh, I think they're a center back short. Um, I'm, I'm Carter Rickers looked very good, though. He like, looked very good, except when he had when he had the ball. 
then he exactly very, he looked which very, has been um, his problem since he started like when i remember when tottenham had him as like i guess a teenager at that point it was like oh this guy is someone you develop into a world into a world-class center back perhaps because he's got all the physical attributes and he just improved his physical attributes more and didn't get better on the ball which is um why his but i mean he's i thought his defending otherwise was very good in terms of especially, very especially good. with terry me yeah oh my gosh and he's yeah. built like a i don't know what he's built like he's solid yeah. <laughs> like he was, the, the times he went into a shoulder to shoulder he relished um pulisic the thing that well, pulisic got his goal which i was very happy for him but the thing that yeah I think was another thing off in the first two games from, a, from, from you know, just, just sporadic thoughts as I was watching is that Pulisic um, plays as if he's their best player. Like he wants to do a lot every time he gets the ball. Um, like yeah. almost like a Neymar, like a Neymar kind of situation where he's taking, um, he's taking the onus, but he's also, he's also breaking up the flow of play a lot to be like, okay, I'm on the ball. I'm going to try to do something. And I feel like this is the there's a good enough this is a good enough US team where I just want him to kind of keep the ball moving um in those yeah. situations. Like he got his goal, but he didn't get his goal that way. He just got his goal, you know, darting, uh, you know, finishing something off two yards from from goal and then getting clashed and seemingly in the yeah. goal liner. I don't know. <laughs> so it's like what he just got clattered clattered. Um yeah, what the only other thing I, I was curious because you you kept saying um before moving on strictly um, more tactical points. The um the the commentary is the last last little um, cultural interest point I had because <laughs> you were messaging several times that you enjoyed the commentary, and I just remember, you know, that being something that growing up we were just constantly really angry at the commentary or feeling like we were above yeah. the commentary or feeling like us was embarrassing itself relative to european commentary that we had access to through your parents various television channels and um is that yeah, what do you yeah. think it is is it where we're, is it has it improved were we just elitist um, yeah well i mean you... this is the first time that you and i think have both been listening to bilingual commentary as well right i've yes, watched yes, a number of the games on telemundo Oh, you have um, as well? I, yeah. <laughs> and I thought the Telemundo coverage to start that off is was pretty solid throughout. And they did yeah, a good job of, of bringing in. They did what the American coverage usually does, which is like they brought in all these, you know, Diego Forlan every time. Yeah, yeah plays exactly. And Mauro Silva. And the interchange has been good, but you have three men in the booth and they're just kind of like saying stuff, which is uh, pertinent. And it's been fun to listen to. Um, and But not as sort of, Inside Fold, more, more designed for everyone in the worldwide Spanish-speaking audience, where I think, whereas I think the American broadcast was designed for a very specifically American audience, but with a different twist. Back in, like, 2002, it was, this is designed for an American audience that doesn't know anything about soccer, and we're trying to reach those guys. So you'll have, like, you know, a very basic... JP Della Camera explaining how the throw-ins <laughs> work or something. Whereas this time around, it was more like, especially like the, I don't think the play-by-play commentary was good, um, but they let that be the part that was just going to be bad and for the general American audience. Whereas they had Stu Holden and then separately Landon Donovan doing the color commentary. And I thought Stu Holden's stuff was really smart. And same thing with, with Donovan. I mean, uh, like, when it was so in the Spain game, when the first five minutes, 
it was just like, well, what is Costa Rica doing here? And <laughs> Donovan sort of like right away picks up like, you know, they don't have that extra man in midfield. This 442, yeah, he said like all due respect to uh to Campbell, Joel Campbell, but like he's not helping out defensively. This is gonna this is not yeah. the best idea. And then obviously Spain just started putting in goals. And yes, yeah, Stu Holden, the same sort of thing. At what was what really uh solidified this also is we have this uh, usually if it's Alexi Lawless in the booth, he'd be like yeah. so pro-American. Whereas one point <laughs> someone went down for a foul and he was like, Yeah, that's just not a foul. Like, you know, he's got to keep playing. And it was like, whoa, no, this never used to happen. So that was nice. Um, On the contrary, yeah. uh, Telemundo in in all of their South American coverage are so unabashedly biased. Like, yeah. you know, the guys, the main guys like, penal, penal, yeah. penal. Yeah. Another man is like, no, 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 lo siento, no. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Which you don't mind in a Telemundo context, but in an American context is, for whatever reason, more grading. Um, because they try to play it both ways. It's like a more arrogant um, yeah. fandom. And um, at the same time, they're, uh, they're, I think their commentary in the booth is much better than it's been. But on the other side, the sort of antics in between games in the studio, yes, yes. they just let that go downhill all the way. That, just that like, is... Yeah, we'll just throw Clint and Alexi in the room and see what happens. And it brings out the worst of Clint, and it's just like ordinary Alexi Lawless, which is... Uh, it's just point, so at, low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I was watching, I, and 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 I, I was with you because I was thinking, you know, this is this is a, a very good U.S. team. This is legitimately a very. I think we'll get to talk about it in a second, but I think Netherlands is not, you know, not favoring their matchup. Um, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm saying they're like, oh wow, we, we're facing a proper team here. Um, yeah. And the commentary has elevated. Um, Stu Holden is is fine. You know, da- Donovan is. Is they're making sensible points. Um, if if they had a British accent, I, I think it would be a non. You could slip it past on NBC Sports for the Premier League if you just totally yeah. their accent. But um, yeah, the halftime. So I was trying to get my cynicism out of the way, but then the pregame coverage for Iran at one point, Alexi Lalas was just had a he was just pumping up the crowd and then they were that was bad. Chanting, it's called soccer it's called soccer <laughs> yeah and he had a yeah, this is stupid narrative he had a briefcase like... of cash well he had a brief uh, he also had a briefcase of cash in his hand and alexi i mean and clint Dempsey was just holding a lot of bills and i was like is this a is this a game show like what what is happening yeah, yeah. there was no there was like um you know i was watching it with the game with my buddy and he was like he's like what is happening i, I have very low expectations but the U.S. made a very major shift. They changed center backs the third yeah. game in the tournament. He's like, has no one going to ex- comment on this? Like, no not even expecting a deep, <laughs> a deep, in-depth tactics or any or anything about the politics of okay, you know, the CIA took out <laughs> the Iranian leader. Like, you know, this might be a political <laughs> backdrop or anything like this. It was just like, and then Clint Dempsey. I don't know if did you stay on after the game when he was Clint Dempsey. Just seems like he's not, you know, he's not built for. For public speaking like he's just not he's just not he's very he's very like oh man he's he's curt he's he's and he's very to the point like did you see his 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 mess it was almost like um, it's almost like an american roy Keane kind of situation did you see his yeah. comments after iran he was just like he came on and they were just like what do you think of this game he's like he's like it's a good performance but the substitute the one substitute came on i saw him put 
more hands up in the air to say my bad than passes completed. That was bad. And Haji Wright, <laughs> terrible performance. <laughs> right, the guy's got a press, and I, he had one shot for his heel. He had one shot, and I think he kicked it with his heel. So I don't know what that's about. And then, like, <laughs> he was done speaking. It was um, it, it was it was bizarre. So anyway, I agree. There, there was like some, there was a reversion. Yeah. There like the dialectic, of... it improved in one direction. It had to go down in the other or something. Yeah, there's a world of U.S. soccer that's just really... Um, it's kind of like the Man, Man United world. In terms of their, it's very uh, closed off to inside right. outsiders, let's say. <laughs> right. And so the same old people are have a loud voice. There's, I briefly saw Casey Keller talking about like texting Greg Berhalter after the game when Haji Wright like missed that and like a, like some stuff about like being annoyed at Haji Wright for not taking it out wide. But this yeah. is also in the context of the, all of these guys coming out and basically being like, where's Gio? Where's Gio? Yeah. 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 Claudio Reyna and who's the father of Gio Reyna. Yeah. And so from Eric Winalda, who put out a tweet about how he was consoling Gio's father, Claudio. for <laughs> Did he? But made, yeah, <laughs> he made this whole thing after the first game. I, again, I felt bad for Greg Ber- Berhalter because usually, with except for Klinsman, um, who maybe took this too far in the other direction, before this, with Bob, Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena, it was always this emphasis on MLS players playing. Uh, it was almost as if it was uh, something against you if you played in Europe and weren't playing because you were at a better club somewhere, you know? Right. And so then Klinsman shifts this somewhat. And so a lot of the weird decisions were decisions in that way. Like some MLS center back would be starting over someone who's, you know, second string in, in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, when he didn't play Geo, I don't think that's exactly what was happening. He wasn't going for someone. It, it does seem like, Giorena hasn't been in form and healthy for continuous, yeah. you know, periods of time. And it makes sense that if you're like, oh, I'm going to play Brendan Aronson more or even Haji Wright against England made good sense just because you needed a body that yeah, was more yeah. physical. And, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So I thought I'm very surprised that I've been so kind of like pleased with Berhalter's decisions. Um, and, the midfield three yeah. is fantastic and Aronson amazing right Aronson came off the bench and he looked incredible like he looked yep, like yep. he was absolutely Th- that's the real off. problem right the real yeah. problem is that the like, real problem is, is Aronson can't get in the team yeah he really yeah. should be in the team and I was thinking yeah how 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 he can tactically rearrange because I actually don't think Sargent was a problem I just think the expectations yeah. have to be lowered to what it is he's yeah. just running holding up he made linked up play very well he's just probably not going to score unless he gets a very clear chance and he's clearly not respected as like a big ego where like he's, I noticed in the first game, he's not being played in when he really should be being played in. Um, So he probably just isn't going in halftime and saying, look, you have to play me the ball in in these positions. But yeah, Aronson, if he could get in the team, there'd be even more energy because Pulisic, I mean, he has to be in the team, I guess, just from performance. And he, he, he does look, he does look good. He looked good. His uh, touch looked he, a little better than he looked, off coming off the yeah. left than the others. Yeah. You know, he looks good. He, he, he definitely uh, looks good. Um, but yeah, I don't know how oh, you get that lefty hit against England that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No back. Left. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. That was yeah. class. But the thing is, Musa is, is really making a case for himself as the standout. I mean, Adams is yep. all over the pitch. He's all action, and he and he's made pretty much the right decision every time. McKinney yep. is, as we we all know about McKinney, who have been watching Serie A, 
but uh, but but Musa, I mean, this guy is not only is he they basically have three ball winning center midfielders um, all playing together. Um, it's like it's very interesting. It's like it's almost it's it's basically what Senegal is doing as well. Um, it's slightly mm-hmm. different tactics, but it's just a nightmare to play against. And you could see that they're, you know their teams aren't six. I mean, Senegal's through as well, and just they've got yeah. they're they're playing Kiate in the and that's game. a problem for Senegal because Ghana's got that yellow card suspension for. Oh, next match. I didn't realize that, and yeah, and Kiate yeah. is uh, injured now, so that's a yeah. problem. But so, but same, I, I love that. Um, I, I love that. And and the U.S. players honestly have a bit more going forward, or at least taking off the leash. Musa's doing scissors and everything. I want to see because okay, so they have Netherlands. I've seen. Um, I didn't see the third Netherlands game, but I watched the first two. Thoughts on the tactics? Also, what did you think? Because we've been having this Busquets De Jong conversation. What do you think of De Jong in the in the De Jong role, the classic De Jong role, ball off the center back? Oh, well, well, before we, well, well oh, before go we go there. My last thing on the Iran thing game oh, yeah, is just this general tactical situation that we'll come back to. At this World Cup starts with a lot of teams going five at the back, and right. then some teams just returning four four two because since the last World Cup where we said oh four four two four four two or some version of it is kind of back, right. um, and Iran went with that four four two to start this game, yeah. and they're probably their two best players are Azmoun from Leverkusen and Meditarimi from. Uh, Porto, but, uh, those are your two forwards, and it they were getting just overrun by three yeah. in the middle, and you just can't. We've talked about this in the past, like this the old Lampard Gerrard England teams, and they interviewed yeah. both those guys later, and they're like, yeah, we came up against Spain, and like those guys, <laughs> and it was a younger version of those guys too. It wasn't even like t- 2010 Spain, and even the earlier versions were just. The, that three v two numbers problem in the center of midfield, they were getting overrun. So four four two, you have to play it very carefully. With I think Burhalter did in that second game, but it was interesting because on the flip side, Iran, I I don't really think that was the best decision because if he just no. if he just started, I mean, you have Hodos who he started Hodos in the second uh, mm. second half for Azmoun, basically admitting his mistake. But if he had just started playing him, his Brentford midfielder right. attacker, as kind of like in the hole um, and not giving right. the, the whoever's in that holding place for the U.S. more space, then uh, that, that extra midfield pressure would have really helped. And so, yeah, we can keep talking about fives and fours, especially as we talk about Argentina. But since you brought up the Netherlands... No. Yeah. Well, let me just say because I agree with you. The only the only caveat to that is yeah, you know, England basically matched the US up um in the midfield and I yeah. was I had I mean, it was people were saying about the, you know, was it just a tepid England performance? In other words, was it some uh, a successful tournament management? Like they just didn't have to come out of second gear or were they just genuinely outplayed for long stretches? And I kind of thought it was the latter. Um, but mm. like, okay, if, if England had to win, maybe they would have found another gear. But I don't think that's how they would have chosen to manage the game. So that's three. In other words, that's three. Pretty much, that's a world close to a world class midfield three that the U.S. midfield three I thought just got the better of. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the, the that all three are extremely athletic, dynamic yeah. players, and they're just they, all three of them are just basically running the entire game. 
and then they all it's a, it's a golden generation of players. I mean, it's a, it's a golden closest the U.S. have had because they're all really good on yeah. the ball too. They're not like going to do something. I mean, maybe Musa has a the kid just turned twenty. I mean, he seems to it really just turned twenty. Yeah. Oh, he really so with Iran. The other two are both twenty four, right? Yeah, thereabouts. So if not, but Iran, I agree that they were. It was a strange tactical choice. We saw the same thing in, with Poland, which we'll get to. But even if they had the midfield three locked up, I just think the U.S. are, are legitimately uh, have a better. Midfield. Yeah. Yeah, even if you match, yeah. I mean, you might, uh, even against, so yeah, like even against, um, uh, yeah, Netherlands, like what do you, what do you think? What have you thought about the young? What do you think about the U.S.'s chances against them? Yeah, you know, in that, I thought in the Ecuador game that they had, especially going up 1 0, I thought they would have had control. And in that right. second half, there was, it was in between not having, just kind of relinquishing control and being conservative because, you know, you've got your four points in the bag and you don't want to risk that, that second, um, right. that, the draw. Yeah. But it is one of those things where player for player, it's weaker than it has been in the past. Like Klaassen and Coop Miners, I don't think they're up to the level. No, of, they're not. You know, the, the, what the eighth should be there. But at the same time, and that puts more pressure on, on De Jong, Right. Um, it, one interesting thing I thought in the in that first game, or actually perhaps it was the second game, was that they Denzel Dumfries kind of was so up high as to be He's a right so high wing, man. <laughs> yeah. And so in pre- possession, in, in possession, there was a, a Timber was moving into the right back spot, and this right. is probably this quirk is kind of I think why he's uh, preferring to play those back three and Timber as the right side of the back three exactly. And, um, especially because then and Ake at the left, because then you know, Daily Blint, his role doesn't have to be as mobile either. Um, so it's an interesting build up if you're into that kind of thing, it makes the build up more direct than right. than Netherlands could be. It's not playing through midfield and triangles anymore. In the second half, especially, they stopped playing through the midfield. There was that yeah. ball that always annoys you and I, I think, where the fullback goes straight up the line and plays yeah, to the yeah. winger. And yeah. it's like, well, this is a low percentage, low risk ball that you're making because you don't want to play through the middle and risk it yeah, or exactly. do something more interesting. And they kept doing that in the second half, not so much in the first half. Um, and I think it, it is one of those things where Van Hall makes them somewhat more um, like makes it some them somewhat more defensive and Cody Gakpo is amazing and you know you can kind of hit on the counter with your with your pace if you yeah I don't think they'll they're trying to be convincing winners is what right. I think plays in the US's hand if they can uh, you know hang with them for the first half I yeah I I haven't been overly impressed by by the Netherlands um it's interesting. The um, I, I see what I see what you're saying. It's a very it, it's it, Dumfries is so high. Yeah, he, it's he's like wow. It's like it's like almost higher than Inter even, and so De Young, yeah, Klaassen is. I mean, he was really good a few years ago for Ajax, but he he's not really shown. Um, it's like a Vanderbeek situation. It's like he can play neat and tidy, but when he's really um, surrounded by a lot of athletic 
um, bodies in a crab space. You can't really do anything other than like play back or um, play sideways or um, can't really beat a player. Um, but Dion in the first game against Senegal, I thought Senegal had the better of them, to be completely honest. And I think this Senegal yep. team with with Mane um, is is a frightening proposition. Injuries aside, for the rest of their team now they're like you're saying they're a little bit decimated. But I thought Senegal wasn't really able to do anything. I mean, I'm sorry, the Dutch weren't able to you're do right. anything. They were relying on De Jong turning and dribbling um, a lot. So I thought we saw from De Jong what we've wanted to see for him in Barcelona or what I've wanted to see, what, you've, what you're fine, more, more fine with how it is. It's like get the ball off the center backs and be more, be that dynamic, um, yeah. you know, that dynamic holding. He's dribbling, he's creating different angles. And- the thing, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, in the second half of Ecuador, I think that was a direct, uh, like it was a directive from the bench that he wasn't supposed to do that anymore, as yeah, opposed exactly. to the first half. Exactly. There was one point think... where Memphis looks silly because he plays tries to play a one-two, and it's like, no, De Jong has stopped his run, and yeah, this is I know exactly. him in the first half. He was about. making that run. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned Memphis because in the game versus Senegal, he came on and he had an instant impact. He's just such an intelligent player. He came on and instantly. I saw him just check to the ball and then he didn't receive it. And he just stood still in that space and just looked at De Jong. He's like, play it to me. Stayed yeah. still for like three, four seconds. The guy finally yeah. played it to him. He laid it off. And then the, the move three, you know, three passes later um, was for the first goal. He just has a, a yep. spatial intelligence. Um, it's like, yeah, I just think he's such an, an underrated player. And that was so vindicating to just see it instantly. They have the other forward. He's running his head. He's running his head off for, for 70 minutes. And then De Jong's just like, no, I mean, uh, uh, Memphis is like, here's the space. Um, yeah, I, I think the U.S. Um, I, I, I think the U.S. might be able to overrun this team. To to be completely honest, they're they're not really convincing. And De Jong, just the last point that I want to make on him is, I, I feel like it's almost a Jekyll and Hyde situation because there are times when I've seen him turning and running where I'm like, oh man, the the, the directives aside, like when he's unleashed fully. I'm like, man, this guy can beat whoever is in front of him and, and then pick a pass. But there are other times when he 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 just gets out muscled very very easily for someone who's trying to do this. Like Verratti, I've never seen Verratti really like lose yeah. the ball in that situation. And you can Verratti is obviously a high comparison, but that's where you have to be if you're going to trust this. My guy man Enzo, just... Enzo, Fernandez. yeah, like, yeah, never like gets... Enzo never loses the ball, Pushed off never the ball. gets right. Never gets pushed off the wall. Whereas De Jong genuinely just isn't strong enough in those situations where he just he gets pushed off the ball, um, which is fine. But it's not fine if you're trusting your central holding midfielder to be dribbling forty yards out of position, um, and he's the only and there's no one behind him. So it's and and he and his 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 in the final third. I can see why as that number six that Barcelona plays him. There's there's just something. He doesn't have, at least yet, he doesn't have the mm-hmm. the the vision or 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 the quick. I don't know if it's just he's taking not taking enough pictures. It just seems like when when he's in a congested space um, near the near the eighteen yard box, he doesn't do as much as you really think someone like that would be able to do. Um, uh, he, he kind of has to defer to 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 the more attacking players. Um, but yeah, since we're since we're talking about. Um, Enzo, he got the start today. What do you think of nice. the uh, the tech? What do you think of the? T- I mean, you kind of texted what you thought, but 
Yeah. Did you notice? I you notice a tactical shift today for Argentina? And yeah, also, and what I, do you what did you make of their group performances throughout the group? Yeah. So with Argentina, I think the uh, we see kind of a blueprint on how to defend them from that first game when mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia comes out, plays five in the back, something that is in the club game when teams have been playing five in the back over the last few years, we've seen it kind of be more passive. Um, five holding back in laying off and it can be very frustrating to watch a sort of slow transition where those wing backs become wingers only once the ball gets deep and the other team sets up defensively. Um, whereas Saudi Arabia against Argentina, those outside backs were just pressing the wingers and sort of, you know, you have this catastrophe. There's a lot of other things that happened in that match, but at the end of that first game, you felt, well, how are Argentina going to change against Mexico and against Mexico? I thought you, you had another kind of, some tactic, some confusion that could have been guessed at before the fact tactically. Like, all right, Messi likes coming in off the right, into picking it up in the right half space, especially, right? And he is going to be free. He's going to walk around and carry the defenders with him. Um, if you also have Di Marie on the right wing, well, that's fine. Those two can combine sometimes. Di Marie is going to hug the touchline. But then your fullback has to can't be in in line with those two if you're attacking and you need an out ball like the switch the switch has to be on Messi loves that diagonal uh I'm playing that diagonal and I think this year the fact that they have Alexis McAllister um that really helps as far as you have a very competent number 10 style skilled player who can cut in on his right foot on that left wing um and you also have to have Di Maria hugging that touchline if you're going to have Messi out there already. So, all right, I thought that first half against Mexico, that congestion on that right wing was just way too much. Um, and part of the problem is it's exacerbated when you have, I thought, like the double pivot. It's very important that that double pivot can swing it as well. If it's not, Messi's not making the diagonal, has to go through. Paredes in the first game didn't do the best job, but you know he can get that ball played. So not playing in the second game was a little odd to me. Rodrigo de Paul, back in his Udinese days, was a winger, an attacking mid, who then, you know, Diego Simeone at Atletico turns into one of these interesting holding mids who whose position went backwards. You know, this is an Argentine thing. We've seen it with Mascherano in the past. Like, you get pushed back a line, and your attacking skills make you more interesting of a player. But the negative of this is that Rodrigo de Paul is like just all over the place and dribbling out wide and stuff that you don't want from your holding mid necessarily if you've got Messi, you know. So they were just eating up the same spaces, I thought, in that second game until they weren't. In that one instance, when Messi scores that goal, he's kind of central to the almost the left center half space for a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I was just like, I thought Enzo needed to play. Enzo's my guy. Um, I've, I've always thought that this guy, like, well, not always, really just this season at Benfica, he's, he's a perfect holding mid in terms of like he'll get stuck in, but even 
statistically it backs up what you see with your eyes, which is that this guy just loves passing the ball, making his progressive passes, his top of Europe and all progressive pa- pass stats. And just in terms of someone who's going to make that diagonal or drive forward a little bit and play that pass forward into the space. So I think bring on Enzal made another change in that second game. And then finally turning to today, um, he started Enzo and uh, along with DePaul, which I think helped for DePaul as well because um, the other Rodriguez wasn't playing well. Um, and yeah, I thought it was much better. You had more more with that second game. Another problem was that McAllister was having to come back too far and help out where Rodrigo was moving around, and you had De Maria dropping too much where you had issues early in this game tactically, or was more of a technical issue, get it out out wide left, and Acuna, who's not having the best of years at Sevilla oh. to begin with, he, he's he got a fantastic left foot, and you know it's got to be mental when that someone with that good of a left foot is just, has all day, kind of, and is just shanking the ball in, or otherwise making oh. one or two technical mistakes is fine, but it was time after time, and I thought that was clever by Scaloni, even if brief, to just put Di Maria all the way wide left for that bit to just be like, yeah. okay, let's see what we can do. Yeah, and and in the end, uh, the other the switch changing the striker and putting Alvarez up there was another great idea. I really like Alvarez. I was worried that he would go like the next two years playing behind Holland and playing behind Lotaro and never getting a shot, wasting yeah. his uh, you know his <laughs> development. But he's clearly a great striker for the system. Um, where he's still he's quick, he's technical, first touch is very good, makes a great movement, and you need those things off of Messi because you know when you play with Messi, it's you just sometimes I felt like you know what this guy is doing. You he needs to he's not going to come short, right? Like when Di Maria gets it on the right, you you almost don't want Messi to come short because you know he's going to drag the and overcommit a defender with him. So you you just see him walk away, and you have to anticipate that other space. Is going to open up. How are you going to exploit it? So, yeah. I like Alvarez a lot, too, just for – just in the same sense that I like Sargent. It's just like – well, he got his goal, which was, which was nice. But he's just – he's moving so much more than Larturo. Larturo is standing around doing um, a lot of just play the ball to my feet type things. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. – which is fine if he was Larturo of two, three years ago. He'd say he's good enough even with the tactical imbalance of just your three best players, Di Maria – Messi and Larturo just kind of <laughs> wanting the ball to feed every time. Um, but with with Larturo as he is now, which is lacking confidence, that was a really brave decision. Um, uh, yep. I, I thought of, uh, I thought I, I was really in my head praising Jordi Alba because now I see what Alba does with that little ball that Messi always plays. And now it's Acuna yeah. it, and you just see the difference. Yeah, exactly. Acuna, but you're just like, oh, wow. Every time Alba gets this, it's either a goal or he's squaring it to someone, but Acuna just couldn't get that couldn't get that right. And it's really interesting that, that, that no matter who Messi plays against, that space is available. That space is always available. It seems like the left back is always in acres of space whenever Messi has the ball and he always puts it right on his feet. Um, I thought for Argentina... And Tagliafico almost scored at the end off of that. Exactly. At the very right, end, yeah. 
came right in and it was like oh there, there it is um yeah i i, I don't yeah I, I, no disrespect to acuna he actually had one really magical um touch where he brought the ball down out of the air but there was something different. yeah left side it was coming over his shoulder yeah yeah i was like oh wow um but um I, yeah I, I, my sense with argentina is they have a great draw obviously i think they have australia so that that's they should it's really interesting how this thing has turned around for mm-hmm. them. They're probably in the most favorable position now. But I just I, – I thought tac- tactically Poland made a complete hash of it. The 4-4-2, I mean, there was both no threat on the counter and no pressure on the ball. Um, so I didn't understand what yeah. – <laughs> I don't understand what was – it was really like – there was – that that I I've never seen a team look so toothless so toothless going forward. I mean, even and that looked like a third division team playing against like Man City or something. Like they couldn't even their outlet ball was Lewandowski and he was just like one v four on his own side of the half yard. You know, it was really that. I mean, I think uh, Hugh Holden said at one point like they they don't look like they have they even had a shot. Like it was like in the seventy minutes. Like they haven't. I can't remember them even. They they got some chances. I think they had two chances, both from set pieces. Aside from that, you couldn't even remember them like bringing the ball in possession, even like within 30, 40 yards. Which is, yeah, I feel very sad for um, for Mexico because I think they're just clearly better, um, a better team than Poland. Um, and just Tata got got without what? Well, I was gonna say, but that was the thing when they matched up. They yeah, they also. They didn't, didn't. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. And I guess, like, that's the thing with this Mexican selection. It wasn't as strong. And um, in the final third, Mexico just didn't look that convincing, um, especially when they weren't in possession. Um, I mean, I thought they played Argentina well. And this they, is where they did. They cir- circled back to that same issue, like that five in the back that worked for Saudi Arabia. It worked for Mexico. So as you say, why did Poland play four four two? In like, what was the plan? It was like, oh, let's get out. We know we're gonna get out man in the midfield now too. What was and... the plan? Because <laughs> Lewandowski doesn't even he doesn't even make a run. He he doesn't even like make the threat of making. He comes short every time as their out yeah. ball. And it was him and Zelinsky, so I don't understand what they were expecting to happen on, on the counter. Yeah. It was a really odd. They're really fortunate to come through. The reason I say Mexico, granted Mexico, you're right. They had the chance to play against them, and, and it looked fairly even. But Mexico had a second gear that they got into. I switched over and started watching the second half versus Saudi Arabia, and granted it was Saudi Arabia, but still they had a second gear that they can get yeah. into when. They- was there and you wish Tata had a lot configure them also you know shout out to De- David Luiz for ruining Jimenez's career because the guy has never been the same since he completed yeah. his skull I, I was mm-hmm. watching I was watching that game that was like you know three years ago I was well I remember just being being really shocked by David Luiz it was I mean I think David Luiz I've heard he you know is very nice and apologized and did all the things you'd expect one to do but still it's kind of sad because Jimenez should be the solution to their goals their goal scoring problem and now it's it's just Lozano trying to do lots of things every time he gets the ball because he's a player and and he can do it he just 
he's just being asked to do too much. Um, but another thing I thought with Argentina was that in addition to the just the five in the back that Saudi and Mexico um, did versus them, they those teams just got after them, like really yeah. put intense pressure on the ball. And honestly, none of Argentina players looked up for it. Um, they yeah. didn't look they wanted that at all. Uh, granted, they broke it down eventually and scored, but against Mexico. But even they, they just even Di Maria, like Di Maria is at the age where if you have a really aggressive young defender on his back, right? Even if Di Maria beats him, the defender is going to be able to recover before Di Maria yeah. can do it. Di Maria was just playing back every time. DePaul, that's when I turned on DePaul. I was like, DePaul looks awful in that match. Yep, and that when he that's the key. Out, the, it was terrible. yeah. What that midfield, the, the double pivot got completely outplayed by Mexico's midfield three, and including Andres Guardado, and it seemed like who's been been there forever, right? He's like forty <laughs> by now. I think this is his fifth World Cup, something like that. Been he's played in Spain. Yeah, and the thing is, then yeah, but then Guardado was playing out of his mind. It was like he played when like ten years ago. But and the same thing like Hector Herrera, right? He's been playing at Porto for all these years and uh, played at Porto for all these years with Mexico as well. But then when Guardado got hurt and had to had to leave, Mexico just was it was worse in that midfield and couldn't dominate the same way because I don't think Rodriguez and De Paul couldn't do anything, and that was one of the reasons both Di Maria and McAllister were dropping deep. And then it was like, well, now you got the ball to Messi up high he turns or on the half turn, he had no outlet. And And my fear with Messi, you know, there was really the little exchange with Austin. So he's playing terrible. He's not playing terrible, but the thing, I don't think he played, I don't think he played poorly at all. Um, uh, He missed the penalty, which was, I thought it was a decent penalty. I thought it was a very, misses a lot of penalties anyway. So like, Uh, but, 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 he he doesn't really because I think his I think they said his his goal conversion they at least in the commentary they mentioned his career goal conversion ratio I think that was his hundred and tenth pen scored in a career which is pretty remarkable and I think he was like one ten out of one forty it was either one he's he's below average percentage wise he's got like yeah he's like seventy seven percent I think whereas penalties are made at like eighty percent kind of thing. It's not like okay. he's bad at them, to be fair. No, but, but that's yeah. interesting. My sense, my subjective sense is, wow, this guy is like 50-50. Like, he, you, yeah. you just don't want him taking the penalty, whereas other, like Ronaldo, you want taking the penalty. Right, like, like Ronaldo's back. above average, it's percentage-wise. Yeah. Like, on these yeah. other huge players, you're like, okay, whereas Messi, you sense the frailty. Um, yeah. As you said, it wasn't the worst penalty because he tried to lift it, and he just didn't lift it enough. Chesney made a good save, too. I just it didn't was- think was a penalty and I, I and no one agreed that, with right i just it, var was making some strange decisions the first penalty the, the penalty against saudi arabia i thought was definitely not a penalty the penalty th- that's where i started raising some questions i mean these are they're not actually i don't actually think they're substantiated but the first penalty that messi got against saudi arabia i did not think was at all a penalty i thought it was a very bizarre decision mm. the ronaldo penalty against ghana was definitely not a penalty from my perspective i couldn't I couldn't even see an angle where it looked like he got fouled. I thought that was yeah. very, very bizarre um, calls. And then this one, I don't think yeah. pre- anyone would even have been appealing for that to be a penalty. The keeper yeah. just comes to Messi headed. Messi already headed it, so I don't understand what. Chesney had a great game, didn't he? <laughs> he's he's so good, man. He's really he's really. That's another one where Arsenal kind of 
Well, I mean, he hasn't. He's been backing up at Juventus a lot of the time. Just he hasn't been this good for a while. He has this in his locker. Yeah, he he's does. one of the top stoppers in in the world. Um, yeah. He's just likable. His whole demeanor. Um, yeah. So okay, that that's that's it for Argentina. The only the only last thing is that Messi, when when he's he gets into this mode, um, he gets into this mode where he's about forty yards from goal. The play is in front of him. And you just know that he's going to dribble forward and try to do a one-two with whoever mm-hmm. or to him. And he's not that only comes off about half the time nowadays. Yeah. Other yeah. half just a counter for the other team. And I'm yeah. like, this, I, I don't know. I just I, I think Argentina is gonna be in a lot of trouble once they play against a, a competent team that just puts a lot of pressure on the ball for the entire match. Yeah. And like if, on the other hand, as we were saying, when he turns and has that diagonal on, it's yeah. deadly. It's, and deadly. it's one of those th- reasons. Like it's just the difference between Messi at PSG versus Messi here. I think he leads the like the world in expected assists this year for, at PSG because there you can't double him ever. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here, part of the game really is Messi's waiting for the double. He's walking away, dragging a defender. And then he's waiting for that double to come because he knows there's that open man when it yeah. does. And that's a fine line. Uh, uh, well, But you mentioned Ghana. Yeah, yeah. I was going to actually just go to Ghana. Briefly, the Ghana penalty, just because I thought they looked not, not only obviously really good in the game that they won afterwards, but I thought they looked really good against Portugal as well. I thought they had the better of it. Yeah. I just got to love Mohamed Kudus. And uh, I think when you play five in the back like that, like they did, against a uh, purportedly better team in Portugal and actually, you know, skill uh, full of skill players, those outside backs, just getting in the face, uh, not letting those wingers turn and be, have freedom just kind of makes all the difference. And for it to make all the difference, if you play like you need that, whether it's five, three, two or five, two, three at the given time, there's a lot of pressure on those center mids that when they get the ball, they have to be able to somehow get on the turn and take on two for and hold it up. And I thought Kudus was fantastic at doing that really, against Portugal. Really good. He's, uh, I thought Portugal just couldn't really, couldn't hang with them. I, I didn't think Portugal had a second gear that they'd get into. I thought, I thought they got really lucky, to be honest. Yeah. I thought they got really lucky. I, I thought it was not a penalty. Um, they got really lucky, obviously, at the end when when, when the keeper rolls the ball out <laughs> and then flips. I was watching that and I and I saw him lurking. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Wow, what is this guy nah, doing?" No way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it came off. That was definitely the moment of the tournament for me. When, when so far, uh, if you saw it, when uh, uh, I'm not pronouncing it, it as Bukhari, Bukhari, the celebration. Oh, and then the Ronaldo just doesn't know how to dig himself out of a hole because the camera probably. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> blind hope pans to Ronaldo, and he's giving the camera exactly the reaction it's hoping yep. for. He's it's, so angry and he he's like gesturing and he's cursing. He's like, he didn't care about the goal. It was all about the celebration. Was, was. I, I think that was fantastic. And the thing is, when Bukhari came on, and they <laughs> they switched out the around those substitutions that they made around seventy to seventy five that time, um, they were already one one. Ayu had just yeah, scored. Yeah. And he was shaking hands on the bench, and that's when you see this this tragic picture of him shaking hands and looking up exactly. and seeing, <laughs> and, and that the goal had gone in. And I think <laughs> this is another theme in the tournament that multiple times when teams have taken 
made substitutions in the center of midfield, especially the weaker teams, that right. midfield two, midfield three, in that when you're playing five, there it's such a quick game and you're used to the pace and there's so much more you're doing than you are normally as a center midfielder that mm-hmm. if you make that change in a game like that and you're the then the substitute isn't ready, that you just turn the ball over like Bukhari turned it over just on a simple checking and turning. Yeah, kind yeah. of didn't didn't check his shoulder. And it was just which if that happens at that level where you're not aware because you haven't checked your shoulder, it's just because you're not used to the pace of the game. That's and true. that it, when he turned that over, that was when they came down and scored Portugal right away on the break. Um so that's what makes something like Kudus's performance to me even more impressive that there is no time in that midfield when you play five at the back. If that's you can keep possession against exactly. like <laughs> You've got William Carvalho and company with an extra man. I mean, that's that's really impressive. So why, I've enjoyed Ghana a lot. Yeah, but why why was he taken off? I thought that was an odd, an odd thing as well. It, I thought it was a bad idea, but it must have been that you were thinking at that point that you've got another game coming up that's going to matter, and he's probably gassed. Yeah, I guess. At that point, must be. Portugal, another odd. Portugal... Uh, the game versus Uruguay, I was really angry with my dad because I uh, I called him randomly yesterday, I guess, and I, and I I, I was I've been watching half half live, half replay, really, which yeah. I guess talk about. But I was like, oh, you know, and I've been you know I've been seeing this girl, and she's like, we're watching so much soccer, like <laughs> like my apartment is tiny, and the <laughs> four games a day really was a lot. Like even I'm I'm glad to have this reprieve, but even. Two, yeah, because <laughs> I was watching all four, and I was yeah. trying to watch on replay. I was trying to right. not hear the numbers and just to like line up. And I called my dad, and and I was like, "Oh, you know, what what, what did you make of the Portugal Uruguay game? Would you recommend watching it?" And he's like, "No, like I was, it was a bad. Like you might find it interesting, but it was um, it was a bad, it was bad from like my you know like non soccer knowledge. It, it wasn't exciting." And then. I watched some of the replay anyway, and it was completely wide open. So I've never seen a back and forth because <laughs> Portugal, you're why I'm expecting. I, I was expecting what he said. Very ugly, very cagey performance. But it was like, at least for the last 30 minutes, it was completely back and forth. And that's yeah. really, it, like shockingly so. And it's really odd. It, the thing with the Portugal team is obviously immensely talented. Um, the coach... Um, has been the coach very conservative um yeah. questions over ronaldo but the fact that rafael leao can't get into the team just doesn't figure to me i, I think there's no room for both of them so he yeah. thinks right yeah Which but how... is fine but if that's the case i think he should leao should start over ronaldo <laughs> Leao should Leao gets into every other team, every other club team. Leao is just tearing up everything right now. It's not like a speculative yeah. thing anymore. So I don't yeah. I don't that's one I don't get. Like, okay, United when it was like a Rashford who was out of form for going into the year, or like a Martial who was out on loan and not doing anything. It's like, okay, I was even defending Ronaldo. I was like, oh no, you just stick with Ronaldo's. But yeah. In this case it just doesn't I don't know. It's, I mean, it's I don't strange know. because that's the missing piece too. Like, yeah. okay, I guess Pepe. You need another center back because Pepe shouldn't be starting against Ruben, next Ruben <laughs> Diaz. But um, yeah, that's those are the two weaknesses. It's weird to say, but it's like Ronaldo and Pepe are your two weaknesses right now. 
as far as the flow of the team. Because otherwise, Joe Felix is not playing amazing, but he's really – your hands are tied when you play – with a player who not just demands the ball, but Ronaldo right now, when he gets it wide, or even in the box, like semi-wide, he'll throw a scissor. And usually when you do that, you're trying to get the defender to flinch. The defender doesn't flinch anymore. And there was a couple of times in the Uruguay game, he threw a scissor, dragged it right for his shot, and he just couldn't get a shot around. And that's the difference between old Ronaldo and now. Just the dynamism or the athleticism, whatever word you want to use, he he's he can't create the space. His yeah. scissors were always somewhat for show. I thought like it, he never really beat someone with the scissor. He beat someone. He would do the scissors, but he would just beat them with. Yeah, the depends on the stage of Ronaldo's career. Through his the at the end, like two thousand six, two thousand eight, Ronaldo with United. Yeah. There he was still running at people and throwing the scissor. As like, if he did a one or a two, he could pick his side with a defender. Yeah. As he got like more of a center, became more of a center forward with Real Madrid. I think exactly as you're saying, it was more for show because the hip wasn't moving as well as exactly. much. Moving, yeah. If you learn your scissors from Ronaldo, then you're not learning. You're learning the exact opposite technique to what you're supposed to because you're you need to sell it with the hip. If it's just the foot moving really quickly, it's like no one uh, is buying that. Like you know that 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 YouTube video with the roots with um the guns are drawn, yeah. like yeah, yeah. the this guy does like fourteen scissors, yeah, and, and the defender, it's awesome, but the defender just didn't move the entire time. The defender's like, all right, yeah. and then the guy just passes it back. <laughs> like, it's funny because I, in a weird sense, youngest Ronaldo, like early Man United Ronaldo, where the first two seasons I remember the rap was like, this guy can't, the final ball is not there, he can't, the cross isn't there. Those scissors and stepovers were much more functional back then. And he was actually getting around defenders because he needed to. And he needed time to get his, you know, garbage cross in. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> with Messi, not to make it about the two of them more than we yeah. need to. He, I'm really surprised that he still can create a space because he yep. he always goes left. But then when he sees the defender overcommit, he just does that little swivel turn where he takes yeah. a mouse. But and, and he has like five yards of space instantly um, every time. Um, so the fact that he can still do that, and he and he, and he was he was running away from players today as well. I'm mean, granted it was Poland. Yeah, I think yeah. I might yeah. Have... granted it was Poland. He had one nice croquetta um, <laughs> that he has to pull out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what did yeah? Um, I wanted to. Did you did you see um, Germany? Did you see either of Germany's performances? Versus yeah. Spain? What'd you make? What'd you make of them? Um, you know, first off, Musiala is still nineteen. There's always something to remember. Musiala is outrageous. There's overall players at the World Cup who are still nineteen. Remember, okay, Musa turned twenty. In any yeah. normal World Cup before, I think it would be like, oh wow, look at this guy, he's amazing. Uh, you know, maybe Ronaldo, Renato Sanchez at twenty was was better, but but not by like that much. Let's right. say, yeah. Um, Whereas now it's like, well, look at Pedri's 19, uh, Musiala's 19, and so is like Jude Bellingham, also 19. Like, what is with this like, yeah, what... professionalization of youth, I suppose? I don't really know. Um, ridiculous. Musiala is the pick of the bunch for me. Musiala, yeah. that he's in really tight spaces, 
it's just yep. the bad he has. He gets out of it without mm-hmm. looking like he's really doing anything. It's like a messy kind of thing. Messi never had to do the scissors or do the Cruyffs or do anything. He just right. went out through. And I see that with Musiala, but which he shouldn't be able to do because Musiala is not like this small, compact body. Like gangly. Yeah. But how can he do it? But he does do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what, yeah. What did you think? Because, uh, yeah. yeah. I have some thoughts. They, I picked them to win, which which is not looking, you know, not looking like the best pick. But I I didn't also realize that Sane was was injured to the point where he wasn't going to be um, playing at all um, in the first match. And he only got like fifteen minutes in the second mm-hmm. match. I think he's a huge difference maker. I think he's yeah. pretty. I didn't realize how what a dip in form Ganabri. In my head, I see Ganabri when they won the Champions League. When he was randomly like one of the best, if not like even the best at the time, like attacking yeah. wing world football, like he was just running at people with pace. He can finish with both feet, um, in really yeah. like no nonsense fashion. He's just past you and he's blasting it to the top corner. I didn't really seen that kind of thing, um, but he's looked really off the pace. Um, so then you lack that outlet on the right side. They played Havertz in the first match. It looked really bad. My my eccentric take is that Kimmich should Kimmich is not as good. Kimmich is twenty seven. I think I heard the commentator say. I thought he yep. was like twenty three. So for someone who's twenty seven, he should be he should be you know we should already be seeing the complete full flourishing of him. I think he should be right back for them. Um, I think he should be right mm-hmm. back. They don't. They don't have uh, any attacking option because it, they it would like, solve a problem. Because Carrer exactly. is kind of a weak link back there. Put him, yeah. Carrer, Carrer is weak link. He was the weak link for PSG when they when they brought him on. He cost them the Champions League that one year as well. No, no disrespect to him. Um, put put Kimmich there. Put Goretzka, and put. Um, Put Goretzka next to Gundogan. Play mm. Musiala in the ten. Let unleash the man. Play Gnabry and and Sane if he's fit, and just put Muller or or this other guy who scored the goal. Not Havertz. Um, Havertz can't play. Um, it, but put Musiala in the middle. Krung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that guy. Yeah. Anyway, I I think. I think that Gundogan is wasted in in the higher role. They have him playing. They're playing four in the back in these matches. They're playing Kimmich and Goretzka and then Gundogan in kind of like an advanced, almost like 10 role, kind of, but he's still, you know, is coming back to receive the ball. So it's very congested, but not dynamic. Only dynamism really comes through um, Luciala. So I think I'm wondering what Hansen yeah. is doing. Like it doesn't, because uh, player for player, granted the back line, R- Rudiger and, and and Sula, it's it's pretty. Co- I mean, that's a decent. Yeah, that, that's that's not like the best. Definitely, that yeah. Good enough to win. Um, the midfield between Gundogan and and Goretzka. I mean, granted Goretzka hasn't been on the same form, but I still think he's. I rate it's him. It's still there, and I rate especially very, like defending in transition. It's still there. There's one pot in the Spain game. We really, you can't get past him. You can't exactly. Um, yeah. I think I am. As- it's a version of four five one that he's going to play, right? Like some yeah. fluid version of four five one, ideally. And I- so Goretzka is a and Gundogan. The thought is that that's your double pivot, right? And you it- want Musiala more free. 
I want Musiala more free because now I'm even remembering Kim uh, Goretzka didn't get in in the first game. They played they played the double pivot as Kimmich and and uh, Gundogan yeah. had, and they had a uh, Muller in the ten. And yeah, Muller they played more. Can't, can't do that. He can't. He arrives late in the box and gets scrappy goals yeah. for Bayern. But aside from that, the guy's washed up. So I don't understand how he keeps getting. I think the we started. With, the big problem is that you need a dynamic wing play. Exactly, and it's just without, like you said, Nabry just hasn't been playing at his best. And well, aside from that, yeah. And then aside from that, is Zane is he going to be himself? Like he looked good when he came on he in the last game. So he if he's amazing. healthy and good to go, and then Nabry doesn't have to do as much like that as he did, especially earlier in that Spain game when it was him and Muller at one point, and you could see that. It was easier to get more bodies on him. Yeah. Um, if you have Zane at the others at the other wing, it'll all just, I think, work out for them. But right. they don't have that that luxury. Um, I'm I'm obviously rooting for Morocco in that in that group. <laughs> so no, sorry, sorry, we're, we're talking about the wrong groups here. I, I, Morocco is not in that group. Um, I'm Wait. rooting for Japan to to get through. Sometimes they're all in. Um, Costa Rica can get a shot. Exactly. They're all in with a shout. But it would be good to see, for the tournament's sake, I guess it would be best if Germany was able to just get through. And I think they will decimate Costa Rica um, because in that Japan game, I thought Japan shot themselves in the foot by just being too conservative and then gave up that goal in the 82nd. Um, But, yeah, I'd like to see... um, I guess I'd like to see Germany get healthier for the round of 16 and you know, give someone a good game. But yeah. the other, well, since I mentioned Morocco, I guess tomorrow's games are Morocco's group, right? Belgium and yeah. Croatia. Um, Belgium, Croatia is the first game tomorrow. And that is the most important one for them because if they win, they're through and all of their troubles are behind them. And if they don't, Croatia just needs a result and they're automatically through with Morocco. The- if Morocco gets a result. But I was reading from It was really bizarre. The the Morocco game versus Belgium was very bizarre because first of all, Courtois made an error for the goal, which is not something not something you he associate. Looked suspect with. on every single near post cross. It was weird that you know Ziyech scored, and then it got taken back for VAR, and then he gave, and then and then there was a free kick from the other wing, and he gave up the same exact goal. Yeah, um, the direct free kick kind of cross angle, um, very odd. But yeah, Belgium yep. looks off. Awesome. You made the the you you drew my attention to the De Bruyne said we're too old. <laughs> they are too old. They're 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 old. Hazard, I mean, they're in the. I watched in the first match and he had like a really <gasps> dynamic first ten minutes. Oh, maybe, yeah. Hazard looked in the first 10 minutes of the first match versus Canada very, very good on the turn a couple times. I was thinking, oh, maybe he is back or maybe this is like a national team kind of thing where he's still able to do it. But after that, he looked just really... You almost feel bad for him because he just can't physically do the things that he used to be able to do. Like, he just can't turn anymore. Um, He just doesn't have... I don't know if it's the injury, you know. There's that interview with Eto where he just said Hazard doesn't train... 
Um, and he's worried about the longevity of his career, which seems to be planning out. But it's just, with a couple of exceptions, it's the same Belgium team as it was, you know, four years ago. Um, and everyone, probably minus De Bruyne, is just, and probably Courtois, is just worse than they were um, and has aged a bit. So you don't, the, the thing is with Canada, Canada is one of the most interesting tactical teams we've seen because that's a very athletic team and kind of a bad team on, on, on in terms of um, the, the European stature of their players as individuals minus Alfonso Davies. And they're coming at, they're, they're playing very aggressively. They're pressing and, and they're, they're, they're leaving themselves exposed and they're kind of backing themselves to play in transition, which made the Belgium game really quite a spectacle. I thought Belgium were extremely fortunate to get out of there um, with a win, never, less a, never mind a draw. Um, so I'd be, I would definitely back Croatia. It's interesting if you watch a team like Croatia play. Oh man, they look good in the last that's, game. That, that's, that's my reference point for, you know, for Argentina, why I'm, why I'm disappointed in, in Argentina, just from like an aesthetic perspective today was different because, um, you know, Poland was awful and they could just, Argentina can just do whatever they wanted. But when someone like Luca, if you just put Luca and and Messi in the same category for a second um saying there's aging tens the options like what Luca has in front of him is so different than what Messi has in front of him and you have I equate you know Argentina with Eastern Europe in terms of you know like these unathletic guys um typically the pace is not what's getting you know Croatia through granted Kramer is having a great tournament but there's so much movement off the ball. Yeah. So it's just so interesting. Uh, you look up, you just see people, you see people making runs, then they're not receiving the ball. Then they're making another run. It's like, it's, it's like a dolphin, yeah. like dolphin swimming in front of, uh, in front of whoever, who has, has the ball time to look up. Whereas like Argentina and, and a couple other teams, it's just like, there's nothing happening in front of them. It's just a bunch of people standing. That's why it's nice to have Alvarez. In. But anyway, to circle back, I thought Alfonso Davies was I, – I have never seen – we were praising Musiala. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like what I saw in, in, the, in the second game for Canada where he was just getting the ball. Every time he got it, he was just running past. It was almost like a LeBron. It was almost like a young LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's just more – he's too good for his opponent. He's just like, get out of my way. Right. Like, it's, it was like a given he's going to get past the person. Even when he loses the ball, he's like, ah, oh, yep. just give me it back. Like, I, I, uh, that's a good example of like when the scissor is functional, just like with Ronaldo at the peak of his powers. It's functional not because it's a technical, technically good scissor. He wasn't throwing his, his uh, hip at all, but it was just like the fear that he might be going left just exactly. like makes the defender jump. And then the fact that he's going to run past you on your right anyway just makes – is emphasized. I, I love it. And you have the sense, the only time I've real, I mean, I've, I've seen him play for Bayern a lot, but the only time when I really saw it, it was like carnival style. It was that Barcelona victory in the champions league. Those yeah. <laughs> when he did the bag and you know, it was really, yeah. but man, I'm really like, my take was, is it too late to just convert this guy into a center forward? Uh, because he is just ridiculous. Yeah. At the end of the game, he was doing that, right? He was playing. Like, like yeah, that. I know. Like he's just spot. He is. And he's just ridiculous. Like his touch is a little bit loose, but that doesn't 
that's also because he has to make so much happen. And it's also because, yeah. you know, he's a left back. So he's just been. It's a to- more intense version of David Alaba playing center mid for Austria exactly. when he was Bayern's left back. It's um, like the same. Yeah. It's like Alfonso Davies <laughs> technically gifted in terms of combination passing and everything, but in terms of athleticism and speed, it's unrivaled. I think he's, I mean, the ease, yeah. even. Even Mbappe has to work a lot harder to get past the opponent than Davies was having to work to get past very supposedly good teams in Belgium and Croatia. Um, so yeah, I mean Croatia looks Croatia. It's too bad for Canada because that's it's 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 a bad team going for it, and and they lost both of their games and they ended up getting kind of embarrassed against Croatia for that tactic. But it was really yeah. fun. It was really fun while it lasted. Uh, I have to say, um, yeah. So yeah, Belgium, Croatia tomorrow, and then after that, Brazil. Do you still? Oh, oh. While we're talking about France, just a quick note for Dembele. The guy's been out of this world, man. And 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 a note on yeah. Rabiot. I thought they've looked really good, and I know you've had this thing with Rabiot where there's like an intense, not animosity, but something like <laughs> something like that. And no, I, was, I don't hate Rabio, but it's just he's just not a personal not a personal thing. But uh, I was listening to the Guardian, you know, football podcast, or whatever, and they had this French correspondent, and he was just going off on Rabio. So this must be just a known thing. He's like, I can't watch Adrian Rabio play like this is, and it was like like it was a known thing, and he kept coming back, yeah. making a joke of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize he was this that polarizing of a figure. I just thought he was kind of at the end of his PSG career. Like you and I thought he was world class, and it was like, okay, he's wants to move out. Like he's earned it. Like maybe he's he's overplayed his hand, and he should have just been the the guy who plays next to Verratti here. But fine. And then when he went to Juve, he was so bad for a while, and like so last year. He was terrible. And this year, to his credit, he's improved. He's had better performances in a UV team that has been up and down, but is not out of, out of it in Syria yes. um, anymore. But He's yeah, elegant, but in effect. Elegant is the word, yeah. In, yeah, yeah, he can carry it. That's the thing. When he when he opens up his stride, it's like, oh, he can just, he can drive and go through the lines. Um, and But then other times it'll be a square ball and he'll just misplace it for right. no good reason or get the weight wrong especially that's another that was what really bothered me about him just the weight of pass in the midfield when he wanted to be zipped right. around there's an yeah, open yeah. person he'll just like roll it to a very he does. slowly that's that's <laughs> that is the point that is the point it's like this french it's really like the caricature of what we're taught about french culture um not <laughs> not to not to give myself in Klinsman hot water here yeah. but but um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I just think I, I, I remember, well, first of all, shout out to uh, when we watched them play in the U23 championship, because I remember it was Upa Makano and Kanate, and we we're like, this yeah. is their U23 center back pairing? This could just be their center back pairing. Um, yeah. Was in the first match. <laughs> Pretty fun. But I, I remember none of us thought Fra- fancied France because of their central midfield. But now, Chuamani, Rabio, with a Griezmann coming in, um, linking up, and Dembele and and Mbappe getting the freedom to stay high and wide, 
and Giroud finishing off. Um, they look really. Um, I don't have much to say yeah, about them. I don't. I don't think like, it changes for me. It doesn't change much as far as like, just like Den. Um, sorry, Netherlands against uh, Qatar didn't tell us much new. Uh, yeah. I don't think France losing to Tunisia tells us much new. Nah. Um, and it's it'll be a matter of when they play those. Uh, well, they won't play Argentina next time in this. Uh, but whoever they play, Poland, right? The, oh, right. That's I guess the quarterfinals we'll get to see. I I think that team is solid. That midfield is solid until it comes up against um, the. Yeah, Actually, yeah, it might just be solid this year because it's, it's not solid. like Spanish midfield is is that no. much better or anything. Um, now that I've seen what they're up against, that seems just yeah. like a, you know a very competent too. Um, because yeah. the team I think would be better, like Germany. That's why I picked Germany. I thought, wow, Gundogan, yeah, that's like they're going to just run it, and they just it seems they, like the timing is just wrong for Germany with all those players being between injury and form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. Um, last thing I wanted to ask was um, Brazil. First of all, Bruno. Well, Gomes... hang on before before oh. the, before Brazil. It's just for tomorrow's Croatia Belgium. So you've got Croatia, yeah, yeah like, definitely comfortably. Well, um, well, what do you what do you make of De Bruyne? Uh, 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 forgetting the odd comment he made because De Bruyne. Or even the Hazard thing you said. You know what I think Hazard's trying to do and why it looked good in that first game. It was as if. You know, in Musa De- a much younger Musa Dembele from Tottenham or or Fulham at this point, I guess he shifted from a winger to a center midfielder, and I was like, ah, okay, like yeah. this is, and that became kind of an age resistant change because yeah. he wouldn't have been this productive late in his Tottenham career, but he was just world class because all you have to do is get it and turn on it and take his time. Azard was hoping for that, I think, right. the way he shifted in, but the thing is. Azard, even at his best, what he he relied so heavily on his pace, and he was he looked technically better than he was because there was so much like pace in him driving into the off of the left wing, and when he'd um, you know like dip in a low cross or something, or it was just like that much pace that you need behind your legs. You need a run up, you know. He doesn't get yeah. a run up anymore, and you watch him try to zip these balls in, so he can't make the progressive pass. Can't from these it. positions. And so De Bruyne obviously can make any progressive pass, but the team just doesn't look good. Batshuayi isn't good enough as a center forward. Um, it, and, makes me, yeah. it makes me think that like, I, you can now see in a bizarro world why Mourinho didn't fancy De Bruyne because he had this kind of stale attacking play where the ball was moving slowly around and De Bruyne just doesn't look special. If this is my first time seeing De Bruyne, I wouldn't pick him out. You know, I wouldn't think anything of him. That's not to defend it. It's just like, he seems, I don't know. There just seems something a bit, a bit, a bit off. And it's like a, it's like he needs targets. If it's going to be this type of system. I wonder. Yeah. Cause I was thinking he's sometimes when you see him running with the ball with city, I'm thinking, wow, this guy, he could be playing on any team. Because he's running yeah. past with such ease, but then this time I don't see anything like that, and I'm wondering if it's more like I remember you had that hot take. I think it was just a contrarian take. But when Iniesta retired, you were like, 
you know, you were like, this guy's getting too much praise and all of this. And um, it was just contrarian. <laughs> I love Iniesta. It was just like people were going overboard, I thought. But, but your point yeah, was he's world class. Yeah. He didn't do anything in like a lower level Premier League team. And then, you know, it was more Javi that I had that take on. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fair. Well, with De Bruyne, you're seeing that now where it's, I don't know, maybe he'll just do something versus. But Luka Modric is just timeless, man. The guy. Yeah. It, I mean, it's... Modric, Brozovic, and Kovacic. That was the, the starting three. And the, the, they, they beat pretty handily. They ended up beating Canada. But the Belgium thing, I. Roberto Martinez, I don't know how he survived this long. I guess he survived this long just because they, they made that. Uh, they made it that far in the World Cup last time. But he – because if – I don't understand why from game one to two you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play Jorgen Hazard instead of Carrasco. Um, and if you have these two wing backs and you give De Bruyne the ball and you took Tielemans out too, which I if you're going to sort of try and control and dominate possession, then at least he can play with Tielemans in, as far as – switching the point of attack and having one and one or the other will sort of ha- take the take it on to make the through ball but it was just De Bruyne and when Hazard can't make a progressive pass it's just it's ugly man and De Bruyne has to play as more of a number 10 with no wingers to, to pass to he can't play off in a one two where a winger sort of holds it up and so I don't know I think it's just the I blame Martinez a lot because yes, they are old, but you could have done more with this group of players if you didn't. Like, what do you do with old guys? Make all all this space on the pitch and say let's let's have wing backs and go. No, that's what you do when you're young and less skilled, but exactly. athletic. It, um, it, he he's one of these people where you see him doing the commentary. Remember he with, with, with when he was um, with yeah. Timo Werner. When Timo Werner just looked yeah. off Chelsea shirt and he was praising yeah. Timo Werner and he's saying, oh, this is the ideal number nine. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, man? This guy, and you, he, he's so <laughs> off it. He's so off it that you, yeah. he's, you're like, what? It, sometimes when you see managers, like when you see Arsene Wenger, for instance, gum, drop into punditry, you're always interested in what the man has to say. He always has a take. Even Mourinho always has a take. Yeah. But like, as like, dude, you're a, a top class international the manager. People England. pleaser kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But like, how do you have nothing to tell me about this match? Like, come on. Yeah. Give me something. Um, but yeah, yeah. I am. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I do miss. That, that's one thing to make a completely tangential point. I was. There's no way to get without bootlegging to get the European commentary um, through, um, you know, th- through the tournament. And I was seeing that, you know, just to return to the lawless Dempsey point, you know, the English commentary, the English broadcast, rather, you go, they drop back and they go to Roy Keane, Ian Wright, Gary Neville, so many, and, and, and Graham Sunis was in the mix. So many interesting hot takes and also they have the balance where it's like entertaining as well um yeah like i was i felt a bit of envy i was like uh but um anyway that's neither really near here nor there but uh yeah <laughs> martin martin is yeah. out tata martino has to be out as well after this tournament 
And yeah, like the, the thing with managers, same with Hansi Flick. It's just the pedigree sometimes. It's like another fog of war type of situation. It's like, do we not have the same information they have? But where there's just visibly very strange things happening from very pedigree. Yeah. Wondering. Do you think Martinez does the same thing tomorrow? It's Croatia, like I, wingbacks. And... I think that's only that's all he does. That's yeah. like all they do. Like, like it's such a. Yeah. It's, even even. But I think it'll be interesting if that, how that matches up then against, you know, Parasic and. Um, oh, I'll tell you that right yeah. now. <laughs> you're, you're, that formation gives so much space to the opposing team's midfield. It gives so much space. It gave so much space when they were athletic, but now that they're older and really like notably one of the least athletic teams. Um, in the back and, and um, it, it there's so much there's there's too much space. Kovacic is flying. I, I don't uh, I don't see any way through for for Belgium. And even if they do find a way through, I just it's not this. I mean, Lukaku came on. The guy looked, you know, out out of form, out of shape. I like I really like Lukaku like a lot, but it's not. Yeah, this, he hasn't played in ages though. Uh, no disrespect to him at all. It's just like I, I always I like Lukaku. He's one of my favorite. As um, you said, out of form, out of shape. Yep. But it's not a team where you. It's just it's a wasted generation, is what it is, because it's yeah. just a team that can win the tournament anymore. It's just will they make it out of the group yeah. stage? On the flip side, in terms of uh, nice heartwarming stories, Hakim Ziyech, especially late in that game, I felt really good for him. He's gotten a lot of stick. Hasn't been played much. Been injured over and over. When he assisted on that second goal, which is fantastic, I mean, the the, the turn was was splendid. So good for him. You, in terms of that, don't you think there's something? Is there? I, I I know it's the wrong take to just be against VAR. I don't think anyone shares that perspective anymore. But it, can't there be some middle way? where it doesn't take so long for them to overturn a goal because we had to watch Hakeem Ziyech. He scored the first goal. They did, They celebrated for like five minutes. Him and Hakeem yeah. had a real heart-to-heart. They were like touching foreheads. They were like really <laughs> merging souls. Like couldn't... Uh, happening? Does it take... Um, is there any middle way through or is this just the way? It, it's, it, it's, it's awkward. Cause, yeah, cause I don't know, up, man. In the Prem, they seem to be able to like contain... Their celebrations, because they're like, that's just the Premier League, whatever. But the World Cup, they just uh, go right. full on celebration every time. <laughs> like, ah, oh, man, you're two yards offside. Yeah. Like, I just told you that. <laughs> it's a full, like, the whole stadium. It's really um, an odd moment. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything else? I don't know. I guess I'll just go out on a limb and say, I hope Morocco can qualify, but I'm worried that. Alphonse Davies will give you another one of these performances and <laughs> and then somehow Belgium and Croatia get through. Um, and the other group, I I also want Spain to... Uh, I want to make sure Spain qualify, which if they play poorly against Japan, it's not, not guaranteed. So that's no. exciting. But um, yeah, and... And I guess we haven't talked much about Brazil for the next day, but the the worrisome thing it's without Neymar, they are they look just like they look worse. Yeah, yeah. Going forward, and so that's that's troublesome. But I still think they'll make it deep. But 
yeah, they don't have the same attacking edge without Neymar. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening to Soccer in Theory. <laughs> it wasn't as smooth without Ashwin, but you know, we hope you'll uh, you'll come back and join us again. Bye bye. Indeed.